Welcome to our Victory Outreach Boston podcast. We pray you are blessed, encouraged, and challenged with this message. It's my privilege to be able to share this morning. If you could stand with me, church. We're going to open up our Bibles to the book of Genesis, chapter 25. And can I just say, man, I'm, ex- I'm so excited to be able to be able to share this word with, with my church. I'm grateful for my church here at Victory Outreach Boston. And I believe that God has given me a, a special word for us today. Genesis chapter 25, and we're going to start in verse 21. Starting right there in verse 21. The Bible says this. Isaac pleaded with the Lord on behalf of his wife because she was unable to have children. The Lord answered Isaac's prayer, and Rebekah became pregnant with twins. But the two children struggled with each other in her womb. So she went to ask the Lord about it. Why is this happening to me, she asked. And the Lord told her, the sons in your womb will become two nations. From the very beginning, the two nations will be rivals. One nation will be stronger than the other nation, and your older son will serve your younger son. Jump down to verse 27. So Rebecca had given birth at this point. Verse 27. As the boys grew up, Esau became a skillful hunter. The two sons were named Jacob and Esau. The older son, Esau, became a skillful, skillful hunter. He was an outdoorsman. But Jacob had a quiet temperament, preferring to stay at home. Verse 28, Isaac loved Esau because he enjoyed eating the wild game Esau brought home. But Rebekah loved Jacob. These parents had favorite, favorites, as we could see. Verse 29, one day when Jacob was cooking some stew, Esau arrived home from the wilderness exhausted and hungry. He was probably a little bit hangry, as we say. Esau came home exhausted and hungry. Esau said to Jacob, I'm starved. Give me some of that red stew. All right, Jacob replied, but trade me your rights as the firstborn son. Look, I'm dying of starvation, said Esau. What good is my birthright to me now? But Jacob said, first, you must swear that your birthright is mine. So Esau swore an oath, thereby selling all his rights as the firstborn to his brother Jacob. Then Jacob gave Esau some bread and lentil stew. Esau ate the meal, then got up and left. He showed contempt for his rights as the firstborn. Let's go before the Lord. Close our eyes, bow our heads. Lord, we come before you this morning. And God, I just thank you for what you're doing here within our church, within Victory Outreach Boston. And God, I pray that you would just minister to us today. God, I pray that we would have clear vision to see what you're doing and God, that we would internalize the truths of your word here this morning. Clear every distraction. God, fix our eyes on you. We thank you for what you're going to do. In Jesus' name. And everybody says, amen Amen and amen. Turn your neighbor, give him a high five, and tell him it's good to see you. It's always good to see each other in the house of God. And, you know, church, about two Sundays ago, actually, exactly... Two Sundays ago, we had our coaching pastor uh, from California, from our mother church, Pastor Sonny Jr., he came with us and he shared with us about clear vision, right? And, And how important it is for us as God's people to be able to see clearly when it comes to the kingdom of God, when it comes to the, the plans and 
purposes, the, the, the calling and the destiny that God has for each one of our lives. And you know, church, vision is truly a powerful thing. Can somebody say amen? amen? You know, when we have vision, we're able to see beyond the, the here and now. We're able to see uh, beyond just the present. And, and you know, having a godly vision challenges us to, to strive to, to see what God sees. Because how many know that God sees further than we do? Yes. Bible says, just as high as the heavens are above the earth, the Lord's ways are above our ways. His thoughts are above our thoughts. And so for us to be able to capture a, 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 a heavenly vision, a godly vision, that's something that's powerful. Having a godly vision inspires us to, to, to press forward in the present, believing that what is not yet will, will soon become in the future. And Proverbs 29, 18, you could put that on the screen. Proverbs 29, 18 says, where there is no vision, the people perish. Just the first part of that scripture. Where there is no vision, the people perish. And you know, Pastor Sonny was sharing with us the opposite of the scripture is also true. So if where there is no vision, people perish, we could infer from the text that where there is vision, people flourish. And he shared that with us. Where there is vision, people flourish. And for us as a church, how many know that we have a vision? We have a vision to reach the inner cities of the world. That's Victory Outreach International. We have a vision to evangelize and disciple the hurting people of the world. We have a vision here in our city to reach the lost, to reach the hurting within the inner cities and for those who don't know the Lord. To see them raised up, to see them be discipled in the ways of God, to see them become all that they have been called to be. How many can say amen to that? Amen. So where there is vision, people flourish. How many here would want to flourish in the things of God? How many want to flourish? Well, it's okay if you want to flourish this morning to be able to flourish in the things of God. And I'm not just talking about flourishing according to maybe what the world, uh, the world standards. It's say, okay, man, if you just have X amount of money, if you have this, you, uh, that material possession, that means you're flourishing. That could be a part of flourishing. It's not a bad thing at all. But flourishing in the kingdom means really uh, 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 seeing God be, uh, be glorified through our lives and to, and to see ourselves uh, uh, advance in the things that are important to the Lord. I believe that having a godly vision is so important, church. You know, but what happens when, for us as God's people, when our vision gets a little bit cloudy? When our vision gets a little bit distorted? You know, this brings me to the message that God has placed on my heart to share with you this morning. And I want to speak on this subject, the danger of a distorted vision. Because if having clear vision is so important, we cannot allow our vision in the kingdom to become distorted. Can somebody say amen to that? Amen. I don't know if you've ever driv driven, uh, you know, when it's cold outside, you step into your car and the windshield is all foggy, right? I remember I was driving down the freeway last year, actually here in Boston. I cleared that snow off my windshield for the first time. 
you know, because I'm from, originally from California. I'm not used to the snow. And the, the, the windshield was getting, cloud, getting cloudy, so I turn on the defroster. The, the, the windshield begins to clear up. But then I so, And so when, once I turn the defroster off, lo and behold, the, the, the cloudiness comes back into the windshield. And, and, and how many know to operate with distorted vision as you're driving is a dangerous thing? You're like, no, I'm going to pump the brakes. I'm on the freeway. I need to be able to see so I don't get myself into a wreck. And today in Genesis 25, I want us to see a man named Esau who had been, uh, who fell for the temptation of, of falling into a distorted vision. In Genesis 25, the Bible tells us here the very interesting story about two brothers, and they were the sons of Isaac and Rebekah, as we read. Their names were Jacob and Esau. These brothers were twins, twin brothers. Esau, he was older than Jacob. And as the firstborn son, Esau, he had the benefits of being the firstborn. He had benefits of being the older brother. Because in the culture of that time, the firstborn son, they, had, they received a, a double portion of their father's inheritance. And he also would have become the head of the family. And uh, that came as with, with, with also being the spiritual leader once the father would pass away. That was the culture of the time. But the Bible tells us this in verse 29, Genesis 25, 29, that Jacob, he had made a stew. Jacob liked to cook. I like to cook, so I kind of relate with Jacob a little bit on this. Jacob's stew must have been bomb because Esau fell for that stew. He was willing to trade away his birthright, as we'll see. So Esau comes in from the field one day. The Bible says he was an outdoorsman. He was in the field. He comes home one day. He's starved, he says. He's, he's, he's famished, according to a different transla translation. He was weary from his work day. And what happened was he was overcome with feelings, overcome with a, a feeling of hunger, and he made a bad decision that would forever alter the course of his life. Esau made a quick decision in a moment, a fast split-second decision that was made in haste that would cost him his birthright. He goes to Jacob asking him for some of the stew. And, Jake, and this is what Jacob tells him. He says, all right, but trade me your rights as the firstborn son. Esau says, look, I'm dying of starvation. What good is my birthright to me now? But Jacob said, first sell me your birthright, and I'll give you the stew. The Bible says that Esau, he ate, and that he showed contempt for that birthright. He sold something that was precious to him in his birthright. See, the birthright should have been something precious, should have been something that was special to, to Esau. It should have been something that had value. This was the, the very position that God had given him as the firstborn. And as having that birthright, that was something that should have been cherished. But what did he do? He traded it away for some stew. The Bible says it was a stew of lentils. Just to satisfy his cravings in a moment of time, Esau gave away what should have been precious to him. And you know, church, what Esau did is something that 
we ought to learn from here in the house of God this morning. It's something that we can never allow for, uh, to happen to us as God's people. We can never allow circumstance, circumstances, situations, seasons, trials, temptations to come our way to distort the godly vision that God has given to you and I. Esau allowed circumstances, a distorted vision to allow him to, to make a split-second decision in a moment that would cost him everything. See, Esau not being able to see beyond the moment, he traded what God had for him. I don't know if we have that slide on the screen. We could put that up if we got it. Maybe not. There it is. Thank you. See, because of his distorted vision, Esau did these three things. And I'm not going to labor on these too much. But Esau, number one, he traded the eternal for the temporary. Esau traded what should have been something val something that had eternal value in his birthright for something temporary. To, to satisfy a temporary feeling, to, to, to get a, a quick fix in a moment to satisfy his hunger, he sold it all. He traded the eternal for the temporary, right? Maybe you've heard, church, uh, of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, the patriarchs of Israel. Why isn't it Abraham, Isaac, and Esau? Because Esau made a bad decision in a moment. He traded the eternal for the temporary. He also traded the ultimate to get the immediate. He traded the, the ultimate plan of God for an, an uh, just for an, an immediate emotion that came his way. And Esau also traded his destiny, something great in his destiny. He traded it for the mediocre. Esau goes down in the Bible. The Bible says this in Hebrews chapter 12. Verse 16 and 17. This is how Esau is remembered all the way at the, towards the end of the Bible. Hebrews is the, one of the last books of the Bible. This was thousands of years later. Esau goes down in history in this way. And we're, we're, all, we're at the very beginning in Genesis. The Bible says this, Make sure that no one is immoral or godless like Esau, who traded his birthright as the firstborn son for a single meal. You know that afterward, when he wanted his father's blessing, he was rejected. It was too late for repentance, even though he begged with bitter tears. Well, why? Why did this happen? Why did Esau allow this to happen? Because he fell for the stew. He fell for the temptation in a moment. He fell for some lentil stew. Turn to your neighbor and tell him, don't fall for the stew. Don't fall for the stew. What was the stew? The stew was the temptation. And it's the temptation that comes to each and every single one of us, church, to compromise godly character, to compromise a godly vision. In a single moment, we can trade things that have eternal value. We can trade God's plan. We can trade our calling. We can trade the godly vision that God has for us in a single moment for some stew. To embrace the things of this world, 
When we know God has called us, when we go know God is doing something within our lives and, and we're headed on a certain trajectory towards the things of God, but all of a sudden in a moment, we can discard the things of God and say, no, I'm just going to settle for this. That's what Esau did. What happened, church, when we know that God has called us, when we know that God has something better for our future, something better ahead, but we choose to settle for less? That's us just living in the moment. That's us not taking into account the cost of our decisions. And see, oftentimes we settle because we could be overcome by a distorted vision. We can be overcome by, by, uh, by, by circumstances and, and trials and, and emotions when they come our way. But, you know, let me tell you this, church. When God has given you a vision, man, don't settle for mediocre. When God has given you a vision, don't settle for average. When God has spoken to your heart, don't settle for something less. When God has done something in your life and God has shown you that he's going to use you, that he wants to take you to, to greater pastures in your life, don't settle for the stew. Come on, somebody say, don't settle for the stew. We can't allow our vision to get distorted when the opportunity to, co to compromise comes our way. And you know, Esau's story, it reminds us of Three things that I want to bring forth this morning. His story reminds us, number one, to stay focused on our calling. And that's who we are. If you're taking notes in, in this uh, section of the, of the message, our calling represents who we are. Stay focused on our calling. See, because Esau, in the moment of his despair, he chose to take his focus off of what really mattered in the bigger picture. He had an inheritance as the firstborn son of his father. He was in the family line of the promise that had been given to, to Abraham, which, would, which, which came down to, to Isaac, and, and he would have been next. See, in church, in moments of temptation, when, when, when circumstances come our way, we can so easily, just like Esau, lose sight of what's important. We can so easily lose sight of our calling. We can so easily lose sight of who we are in the things of God. We can have momentary lapses in judgment and make bad decisions that have heavy consequences. It's almost as if in that moment the enemy wants us to, to forget our identity. The enemy would cause us to have a momentary identity crisis, forgetting our calling. Forgetting who we are in the kingdom. Forgetting, man, what God has for us and settling for something less. That's why it's so important for you and I as men and women of God here on a Sunday morning here in the church to know beyond the shadow of a doubt who we are in God's eyes. Amen. Who we are according to this word. To grasp. The, the, the truth of God's word and say, God, who is it that you say I am? Not who the world says I am, but who you say I am. Look with me at Ephesians chapter 1. Ephesians chapter 1 verse 11. I believe that God wants to remind some of us today who we are in him and the place that we have in the kingdom. Ephesians chapter 1 verse 11. The Bible says, furthermore, because 
we are united with Christ, we have received an inheritance. Somebody say inheritance. Just like Esau, he had that, he had that inheritance as, uh, that, that came with his birthright. Furthermore, because we are united with Christ, we have received an inheritance from God. For he chose us in advance, and he makes everything work out according to his plan. See, church, when, when moments come and we're, we're, we're maybe we're tempted to take a different path, just like Esau, when, when the decision came to, to forfeit everything that God had, had, had given him in his life, we have to stay focused on who we are, our calling, where God has us, where he's taking us. We have to be able to focus ourselves as Christians living in the times that we're living in on God's word. Reminding ourselves of who we are, that we are called. We're chosen. We're called. We're chosen. We have an inheritance. We are co-heirs with Christ Jesus. Can somebody say amen? The Bible tells us in 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 9, but you are a chosen generation, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, his own special people, that you may proclaim the praises of him who called you out of darkness and into his marvelous light. Once, catch this, who once were not a people, but are now the people of God who had not obtained mercy, but now have obtained mercy. We can't lose sight of our calling, church. Esau reminds us to stay focused on our calling. He also reminds us to remain faithful to God's plan within our lives. To remain faithful to God's plan within our lives. And that's where God is taking us. Our calling is, is who we are. God's plan is, is, is where God is taking us. You know, let me tell you that according to Scripture, a biblical truth is that God knows the plans that he has for our lives, right? The Bible says in Jeremiah 29, 11, for those that, have been, uh, that attended Victory Pathways this, this past week, that's our memory verse, Jeremiah 29, 11. The Bible says, I know the plans I have for you, says the Lord. Plans to prosper you, not to harm you, to give you a hope and a future, right? The Bible says this in Psalms 139, speaking of God's plans for our lives. Psalms 139, verses 14 to 16. Thank you for making me so wonderfully complex. Your workmanship is marvelous, how well I know it. You watched me as I was being formed in utter seclusion, as I was woven together in the dark of the womb. You saw me before I was born. Every day of my life was recorded in your book. Every moment was laid out before a single day had passed. See, God has plans for our lives. The Bible says even when we were being formed in our mother's wombs, imagine that God knew the plans that he had for each and every single one of us. That could be almost mind-boggling. That could be almost like perplexing, like, God, are, are, are you, are, do you really have plans for my life? Every single day was recorded. That's what God's word tells us, that he had every single moment planned out. God has plans for our lives. And church, I come to remind you this morning, 
Remain faithful to the plan that he has for you. Remain faithful to the plan that he has for you. See, he has plans for us in his mercy and in his grace. He allows us to partake in his plans. See, and this was something that Esau forgot in the moment. This was something that Esau, being his vision so distorted because he was so overcome with this hunger, he, he just forgot about the things of God. He forgot about his calling. He forgot about God's plans. And he forsook something that should have been precious to him. And you know, for us, church, for every man of God, for every woman of God that strives to be faithful to God, there are going to be opportunities that come our way to be unfaithful. As we're striving to be faithful to him, you best believe there are going to be opportunities that come our way to be unfaithful. There are going to be times where we're tempted to compromise. There are going to be times where we're tempted to lower our standards. But let me charge you with this. Don't take those opportunities. Don't take the opportunities when the, en when the enemy comes your way and he wants you to, 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 to lower your guard and, and, and fall into the temptation that he has your way. Stay faithful to the Lord. When the opportunity comes to give in to lust, when the opportunity comes to give in to our anger, when the opportunity comes to give in to jealousy or bitterness, remain strong in the Lord. Man, let me tell you that even in the church, you can find yourself hurt. I know, you think it's impossible. But we're not perfect people. We're, we're, we're all sinners saved by grace. Amen. And I've heard it said that you put your trust in man, you're going to be disappointed. We put our trust in people, we are going to be disappointed. There is no perfect church. There is no perfect uh, church that just has it all together. And, and I've seen over the course of my salvation, I've seen people get hurt with uh, um, uh, experience emotions. And that's the stew that the enemy used to take them out. It's not always just uh, uh, maybe a sexual temptation that could come and we could just throw away our, our, our calling. It could be any type of, it could be church hurt, it could be anger, it could be jealousy, it could be bitterness that could come our way, yes. right? The stew of jealousy, the stew of lust, the stew of anger could come our way and we're like, you know what, forget the things of God. I'm just going to take the stew. I'm, for, forget what God has for me. I'm just going to settle for the stew over here. See, that's what you and I, church, we, we can't allow ourselves to fall into that place. We ought to remain faithful to God's plan within our lives. See, the Bible tells, it, tells us this about temptation in 1 Corinthians 10, 13. Catch this scripture. Memorize it. Write it on the tablet of your heart if you have to. The Bible tells us this, 1 Corinthians 10, 13. The temptations in your life are no different from what others experience. And God is faithful. He will not allow the temptation to be more than you can stand. When you are tempted, he will show you a way out so that you can endure. See, this is telling us that when we have opportunities to be unfaithful to God, we have uh, uh, opportunities to fall for temptation. 
that the temptation that we face is not something that's just unique to us. It's, it's common to man. And see, the Bible tells us that God is faithful. That when the temptation comes, he will make a way for us to endure it. He will open up a door of escape, a different translation will say. There are opportunities for us, if we choose, to, in, to, to, to overcome the, the, the temptation that comes our way. Excuse me. There are opportunities for us to fall for the temptation, but the temptation that comes is not so great that it will overtake us. We have a choice to make in those moments. We have a choice to make, a conscious choice to make. And the Bible tells us, man, that God is so faithful that he will provide a way of escape for us. He will show us a way out so that we can endure. Come on, somebody give God some praise for that. Thank God that he provides a door of escape for his people. Come on, church, don't take the stew when the stew comes your way. See, do you guys have, we have basket robins here in Boston. Basket robins, is that a thing? Okay. It used to be called 31 Flavors. You know, Baskin Robbins, or 31 Flavors, as it was called in, in times past, my mom used to call Baskin Robbins 31 Flavors. I'm like, what are you talking about? What's 31 Flavors? She's like, oh, that's Baskin Robbins. It, was used, it used to be called that, I guess. And so at Baskin Robbins, you know, they have a little bit of something for everybody. You want mint chip? They got mint chip. If you want cookies and cream, ice cream, you can get that too. That's my wife's favorite. <laughs> if you want birthday cake, they got birthday cake. You want pecans and praline, they got that too. Butter pecan, they got it. Whatever you want, they got it. And see, the enemy knows just what to tempt us with. He knows just what we like. He knows just how to get us. He knows just what stew to brew up for you and I to get us to fall. But let me tell you, church, when we stand in the faithfulness of God, we will not take what the enemy comes to serve us to get us to surrender our calling. It's like a buffet. You know, the buffet has something for everybody. Chinese, they got American, they got this, they got that. That's, that's how the enemy will cause us to forfeit our calling. Maybe you struggle with something that I don't struggle with. Maybe something tempts me that doesn't tempt you. But the enemy knows just how to tempt you. The enemy knows just how to tempt me. But we ought to remain faithful to God's plan. Come on, come, somebody give Jesus some praise this morning. The Bible tells us this in Proverbs eleven six: The righteousness of the upright will deliver them but the unfaithful will be caught by their lust. The, un, the righteousness of the upright will deliver them, but the unfaithful will be caught by their lust. And see, that's what Esau fell victim to because he had a cloudy vision. His vision was distorted in that moment where his brother, who his brother just did deceive him, his brother was kind of conniving. Jacob was, uh, you know, he wasn't really acting acting right in that moment, but, you know, it was all part of God's plan. But Esau fell for the stew. He was caught by his lust. And see, church, when we're at the fork in the road of temptation, tempted to do something we might regret, tempted to do something that will take us away from God's vision for our lives, we have to stay the course. We have to remain faithful 
in the things of God. We have to remain faithful to God's plan. And I don't know about you, when, I, when sometimes I get discouraged and I'm thinking about throwing in the towel, when I, sometimes I'm, I'm getting discouraged and I'm thinking about, man, I, I want to give up right now. I have to think about Jesus. I fix my eyes on Jesus. I fix my eyes on the cross. I say, God, you didn't give up on me on the way to Calvary. You endured the beating. You endured people spitting in your face. You endured the brutality. You were bloodied for my transgressions. You did not quit. You remained faithful to the mission. And I, too, want to remain faithful to the mission that you've given to me. Somebody say, stay faithful to God's plan. Last but not least, Esau's story also reminds us to remember our position in Christ. And now I'm going to be talking about the authority that God has given us. Our position in Christ, a place of authority that God has given us. You know, church, we have the authority in Christ to, to stand, to stand strong when we're tempted. Just like Jesus did. In Matthew chapter 4, the Bible says that the Spirit of the Lord led Jesus into the wilderness to be tempted by the enemy, right? If you know the story, Jesus was led into the wilderness for 40 days, 40 nights. He was tempted. And the, the devil uh, threw different temptations Jesus' way. But see, you might think, like, oh, well, Jesus was able to overcome because he was Jesus. He was God. But you know that you and I have the same power of the Holy Spirit living inside of us. That same power of the Holy Spirit enables us to have a place of authority, a, a, a place of position in Christ to be able to overcome when we're tempted. And this is like spiritual warfare for you and I. See, because the enemy, he'll do anything he can to get us to Settle for a distorted vision. When God has called us as a church to do great things in our city. When God has called us as individuals to do great things within, within the kingdom and, and within our families and within our communities and within our workplaces to become all that God has called us to be. Yeah. It's spiritual warfare. And the Bible says this in 2 Corinthians chapter 10, verses 3 to 5. The Bible tells us that in the New Living Translation, we are human, but we don't wage war as humans do. We use God's mighty weapons. Well, God's mighty weapons, not worldly weapons, to knock down the strongholds of human reasoning and to destroy false arguments. We destroy every proud obstacle that keeps people from knowing God. We capture their rebellious thoughts and teach them to obey Christ. See, church, the enemy would love for us. The enemy would love for us as God's children to get our vision distorted. To mess us up and cause us to throw away our godly inheritance and settle for something less. To settle for something less than the, God's best. And I don't know about you, but I don't want to settle for anything less than God's best for my life. I don't want to settle for mediocre. I don't want to settle for, for the plan of the world, for the plan of the enemy, forsaking the plan of God just to settle for some stew over here. I don't want to be that type of person. How about you this morning? 
That's a question that we will have to answer for. We can only make that decision. Man, do I want what God has for me? Or do I want to settle for the stew over here? If the worship team could come, I'm coming in for a close here. Church, how do we remember the position that we have in Christ? We remind ourselves of the truth of God's word. When we remind ourselves of the truths that are in God's word, we're able to have the right perspective. We're able to, to, to stand from a place of authority in, in the things of God because we know, man, God is with us. When there's opportunities to compromise, when there's opportunities to get our vision all, all messed up and all distorted, we remind ourselves of the truth of God's word. We fix our focus on Jesus. We fix our vision on the cross. And we can stand victorious. The Bible says that man, we are more than conquerors. More than conquerors. Because of what Jesus did on the cross. The Bible says, greater is he who is in me than he who is in the world. And church, when the enemy comes your way, offering you whatever temptation it is to, to cause you to quit on the things of God, to cause you to quit on the plan of God, to cause you to, to fall for some cheap temptation, to satisfy your feeling in a moment like Esau, we can stay the course. Thank you for joining our podcast. We pray this message builds your faith, encourages and strengthens you in your walk with the Lord. If you would like to partner with us, sow a seed today, head on over to our website at voboston.org and hit the giving link located at the top of the page. God bless you.